hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 487 and session number 150 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions here on the podcast. And yes, we are going to do it again today. And I cannot believe that I just said this is session number 150. That means that we've been meeting 150 times on this Ascot session Friday uh, is really what we've been doing here for those uh, those 150 Fridays, spending a little time together, listening to your questions, trying to give you the best advice that I that I can, especially if we were sitting down in the room together, having that cup of coffee, like I always like to say, and uh, that's what we're going to be doing again today. So I'm fired up, pumped up to be here today. What we're going to be talking about, just to kind of give you some of the topics that we're going to be discussing. Number one. Excess inventory problems. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a YouTuber and products and potential partnerships. And then we're also going to talk about return rate and suspensions. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. So I'm really fired up to really get this thing started here today on this Friday or depending on whenever you're listening. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday, happy Wednesday. It doesn't have to be Friday to be uh, to be all fired up and pumped up because you're here, you're alive, you're able to go out there and make things happen if you want them to happen. And uh, I think if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that's what I'm all about is really just getting out there and taking action and really going after the things that you want in your life. And, you know, business is business. Like business is is really our vehicle to allow us to do those things, right? To live the life that we want to live. And uh, that's really what I'm all about. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's kind of what you're all about or else you wouldn't be listening. So, uh, yeah. So, all right, before we jump in to today's questions, you guys know I love to give you a little bit of what's been what's been on my mind a little bit this uh, this week or just in general. I want to share something with you that really did change a little bit of the way I think about business, uh, and it's it's really interesting. I forget who shared it with me. Maybe it was someone in the group, or maybe it was someone inside my class. I forget, but I went ahead and I watched this short video, and the concept is really good. And it was really all about why not our why necessarily like why we want to create this business or why we want to live the life that we want or spend more time with our family. Like none of that stuff, like that's all important. That's a separate why, but really your business why. And this here was this uh, Ted talk was uh, put on by Simon Sinek. I believe it is or Sinek Sinek. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce the last name, but Simon, if you're listening, I apologize. Maybe we could even get Simon on the podcast here and we can uh, talk more about this because I, I found it fascinating and it really made me think a little bit differently. I've always kind of thought this, but not as deep as uh, as he went and how he broke it down because there's three components here that we're talking about and he drew a circle. So just imagine drawing a, uh, a small circle and then a little bit of a bigger one that, that's going around the smaller one and then another bigger one that kind of goes around those other two. So just think about like a bullseye, right? And the smallest part in the center is the strongest part, really. And it kind of went from there to the second to the third. All right. So the very first one that he says you should start with with any business is really why. Okay. Why does your business exist? Okay. Why? Now, what he talks about is like a mission, a belief, a cause. Now, it doesn't have to be like you're going to go save the world cause, but there's got to be a reason and I'm sure all of us can think about this, why our business is unique, okay? Forget about the products for a second. Forget about any of that stuff. 
What makes it different? Now, if you are the front person of your business, you could be the person that is getting these beliefs and your mission in front of people because you have been struggling to find the perfect pet products out there in the market. And because of that, you went ahead and started creating your own products. You private labeled them. You created your own brand. You have your own content that's educating all of these different things. That is your why, right? Forget about the products right now. That is your why. You are going to do it because you want to, you know, really help people that are in this market. It could be as simple as you are an avid fisherman and you have just been out there enjoying it and you just want other people to be able to enjoy fishing like you do. And it could be because you want to escape the stress in your life and fishing allows you to do that. And now you have you know, really went out there and found a way to enjoy fishing like no one else. And because of that, you just happen to also sell products that are better than everyone else's because you are so passionate about fishing that everything you, you touch, you really think about it as if you're using it. So it's a better experience for you. Right? So, and he kind of uses Apple as an example, like Apple sells computers, but Apple really started with why they are creating these different devices and these, and this different experience right? It's not just selling the computer. The computer is the product, but there's a whole bunch that goes into, you know, why they do what they do. And I'm not going to go through all of that here with you, but I would say definitely watch the video. What I'm going to do is I'm going to link this up in the show notes. I'll actually either link it up or embed it um, inside of the podcast show notes. So definitely head over to the amazingseller.com forward slash 487. And you can do that. And then from there, you can watch this presentation. It's not that long. It's really good. Um, it's something I'll probably uh, probably go back time and time again because I want a refresher, but I really want that to be part of the things that we do. And now that I'm thinking about that differently, even like I'm going to give you an example here, like TAS, like the amazing seller, the whole brand that's kind of been created from just starting, you know, a podcast. Um, and I'll share with you kind of like the why, the how, the what. So that is really the three parts. Why? the business exists. How, how do you get like the pro or how do you get the thing, right? How do you get that experience? So you have to talk about the process for creating the product. Maybe, maybe because it's twice refined. Maybe there's different places that you get the, the, uh, the, you know, the things made, or maybe you have different ingredients, or maybe you have a different uh, process for that. It's made, uh, and, and all that stuff. I mean, I look at bulletproof coffee, it's coffee, but he found a way to put a spin on coffee that makes it unique to the market. All right. Um, so that is kind of like the how, okay. How is the product made? How is it better? Right. And then the last thing is what, what is it? Well, it's the product. It's the thing, right? So you see how it went from like, why then how, and then what? So those are the three main things that he talks about. Now you can disagree with this if you want to, and that's fine. I just thought it was good. Kind of like, information to kind of think about. And it doesn't mean you have to kind of follow everything, but it's a great way to kind of open your mind a little bit and also think about that. I know myself personally, even locally, like I want to know about the person that is, you know, running that business. So example, there's two examples. I go to a deli generally every day, just about there's a, a couple other places I go to, but I really love this deli and I, I love it even more now that I've met the owner and I actually, I met him and I, cause I'm in there all the time, but then also uh, I seen he put a YouTube video out on his little fan page and it talks about his story. 
It told why him and his wife decided to move here to South Carolina from New Jersey. So I'm from upstate New York originally. He's from New Jersey. We kind of have something in common, uh, you know, and so I seen that it made me know him. It was a little bit of his story and it, it made me want to go there to eat. Now his food is really good too, but food is just the thing, right? But why he's doing what he's doing to support his family, to create a, a nice little business here in my area. Um, and, and then the process is really simple too. Like he hires a lot of his family, but a lot of people also that are, uh, you know, people like him. So they're going to take care of the customers the way that he would want it. He wants that whole experience to be, you know, to be delivered the way that he wants it delivered. So there's that and there's, you know, natural, uh, you know, different types of meat that he has that other delis might not have cause it's more expensive. So all that stuff. So he does have a premium product too right? But he talks about all those different things. He wanted to bring a little bit of New Jersey here to South Carolina because there's not a lot of delis here. Uh, there, there's not a lot of delis that, that I guess make sandwiches like New Jersey or New York, right? They're not as big or they don't have the same kind of breads or this, that, and the other thing. So he basically did that. And then the what is the sandwich or the soup, right? But how that was made and why he is here and doing it and all that. So why the business exists is really that thing. So you can say, well, it's not a mission. It's not a cause. It's not a belief. No, it's not. But the reason the business exists is because he wanted to move his family here and create a business that gave people a smile, gave them a good sandwich, and they knew that it was homemade. Like that's what he wanted, right? So that's kind of his thing. Like he believes that people should be able to sit down and have a really good lunch. And, uh, it sounds really funny, right? But it's true. Right. And now I go there whenever I can because a few reasons. I like him. I like everyone there. They're always happy. I've never had someone rude there to me. Their food is delicious, right? And I know every time I walk out of there that I've just supported someone that's there because of their cause and their cause is to be there to, to live here and, and live a, a nice life with their family. He's not getting rich, right? He's not like a multimillionaire, but he's living a nice life and he's comfortable and he's happy. Right. But he also has some really good food and I know about him. You know, like that transparency. So whenever you can incorporate that into your business, I'm telling you, you can't lose. You can't, you have to be able to start with the why then you can tell people about the, how it's done. And then the what. And I love that Simon really, really did a good job in that. And the second example was very similar. There was a, a restaurant that I went to recently and the same thing, the owner came out, he greeted us, he talked to us, all the staff there was great. And he told us how much he appreciated us being in there. And again, because of that connection now, I want to go back. I know a little bit about where he comes from. I know, uh, you know, that he started another restaurant, uh, in another area here. And I know all of the backstory of him. So he let me in a little bit. And now I know, and he's, it's a Cajun place. So he specializes in Cajun food, right? And we talk about markets and niching down and all that stuff. Well, he's niched himself down that where he's the best Cajun place in the area, right? And then he also, it also comes with great customer service. It also comes with a great atmosphere because he wants people to go there and relax and have that authentic experience, right? So again, why, how, what? All right. So if you notice the, what the product is generally the last thing that's being talked about because the other two are really, really important. 
Okay. So again, just wanted to share this with you guys. If you want to watch that, I'll link it up on the show notes. The other thing I'd like to mention here is if you guys have a question that you want me to ask here on an Ask Scott session, definitely do that. Just head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask, and you can do that. Just record a short message and your first name, maybe where you're tuning in from, maybe your favorite restaurant. Hey, you can even send that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can go ahead and uh, try to answer that on an upcoming Ask Scott session. All right, guys. So I, uh, I rambled a little bit there in the beginning, but hopefully you guys got value from that because I think if you think about your business differently than just the next product you're going to launch, you will do better and you will have a stronger brand. Uh, I honestly believe that. All right. So let's go ahead and get uh, rocking and rolling here. What do you say? Let's go ahead and listen to today's first question and I'll give you my answer. Let's do this. Hey, Scott, it's Carol at Big Cat Rescue in Tampa, Florida. I have a question about surplus inventory at Amazon. I'm a new Amazon seller. I've only been doing this for less than a year. I sent in about a thousand of each of my products and I got a message from Amazon recently saying that I should run a sale or do something because of the excess inventory that I have. So could you explain to me how Amazon decides when there is too much inventory and even though I ran the sale, it didn't sell a lot of products. So I don't know if I'm going to be hit with storage fees or how those storage fees are figured or if there's a certain time of year that that happens. So if you could really dive into this whole thing about storage fees and excess inventory, I could really use some, some help in that department. Your podcast has been absolutely awesome. And I really appreciate the fact that you care so much about your listeners and that you're helping us all on this journey. Taking action, like you always say, thanks. Hey, Carol, thank you so much for the question. Big Cat Rescue. Uh, yeah, I think I actually had talked to you before uh, a little bit, or you sent me an email and I messaged you back. Uh, love what you're doing, by the way. Pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, okay, let's let's address this. And this goes for anyone right now that uh, is, is running into excess inventory. So what Amazon basically did is they go, hey, listen, Carol, your inventory is moving kind of slow. Why don't we help you out and we'll give you a, you know, we can run a sale and uh, we can try to move this inventory because if not, we're going to go ahead and charge you some additional fees on top of your storage fees. That's what we're going to do. So here, let me help you out and run, run a sale. I and mean, you could have did that yourself. The bottom line is this. You sent in a thousand units. I probably would not have sent in all 1000 units until you could kind of see the rate of the sales that you're going to be having. It's not like it used to be. And anyone that is brand new right now listening and they haven't sent in their first order yet, be careful with sending in a thousand units if you don't think your inventory or you don't know if your inventory is going to be selling through. Because think about this. If you get to 10 sales per day, that's where we're aiming for. If any of you have been listening for any period of time, I always follow the 10 by 10 by one strategy, which is 10 sales a day, $10 profit, one product. So that would be, let's do some quick math here. That's 300 units per month. So it's going to take you, if you get to that level, Okay, in the beginning, it's going to take you around three months to get rid of that inventory. All right, you're going to pay storage fees regardless, but then you're going to start getting into long term storage fees. And if you have a product that's oversized, that's going to make a difference as well. If you're in the fourth quarter, it's going to make a difference. And what's going to happen is you're going to start getting hit with these fees. So the, the lesson here is definitely do not send all of your units in. In the beginning. Now, if you are international and you have to, 
then you have to. Or you could also just go to another fulfillment center and have them hold that inventory and only send in Amazon what you want. It'll be cheaper in the long run. Uh, or you can even get your own uh, warehouse. We have actually a warehouse for the new brand. Uh, it's basically just uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, of those uh, storage lockers. Uh, and we've actually graduated to a pretty large one right now. But basically that allows us to have 3,000 units shipped here. And then what we'll do is we'll ship out you know, me and my team will we'll ship out maybe 300 units, you know, or 500 units. And if we need more, we go in and we ship another 300. This way here, we're only paying 200 bucks a month for that storage unit, right? So it's not that much. If you break it down, I mean, how many units you can fit in that thing? Thousands, probably, gosh, probably 25,000 units. You could probably, depending on how big they are, obviously. So break that down. It's not as much, right? It's, and it, and it gives you the flexibility too, to be able to purchase more, but then not have to ship it all in. So my thoughts here are number one, do that, right? Don't send all your inventory in unless you've got a proven track record, or at least you've been kind of getting an idea of what's going to be selling. And that could be stuff could be also seasonal for you. If you have gift items and it's going to be mother's day or father's day, or, uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, big wedding season or whatever it is, you want to be, um, conscious of that too. Right. Um, but what they did is they attempted to try to help you before they went ahead and said, oh yeah, by the way, here's your, here's your storage fee. You know, they're, they're trying to help you because it's been in there for a while. So you just, you definitely want to keep an eye on that. And generally they will remind you on that stuff with enough time for you to make that decision, you know, and that, that decision might even be to pull 300 units and have them shipped back to you. Um, because that'll be cheaper maybe than your storage fees. Um, and again, if you're not going to be able to sell through that, or you might want to just go ahead and run a flash sale. If you have an email list, you can run a flash sale, do 30% off, you know, heck if you want to, because you're going to be closing out that inventory anyway, and you're not going to be selling it again, do 50% off. Um, you know, but you should be able to reduce your price and run a sale, whether it's on Amazon or off Amazon to be able to liquidate that, or even run some pay-per-click as long as you have the budget for it but you definitely want to get that out of there before you get hit with a long-term storage fee or even just the regular storage fees if you're not selling through. So that's why it's really important that you do keep an eye on your inventory and you can kind of see where, uh, you know, your, uh, your high points are as far as like when you're selling the most and when you're not selling as most, you know, the most, and you want to plan for that. So, um, that would be my advice there, Carol. Uh, sorry, I can't give you any better news there or, um, you know, like, Maybe we're missing something, but no, they're, they're just trying to get rid of the inventory to help you. So when they hit you with that fee, you can't say, well, you, you didn't help me. Uh, you know, so that's what they're doing. So just keep that in mind. And also anyone else that's listening, keep that in mind when you're ready to send in a thousand units or 2000 units, make sure that you know that there's a good chance you're going to sell through that. Okay. Um, all right, let's go ahead and listen to the next question and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Jesse here from New Zealand. First of all, I wanted to say a huge thank you for all the content you're creating. It's awesome. I have been binging hard now for a couple of weeks because I have a few things in my life that are really pushing me towards getting into Amazon. And the first is that I've got a small YouTube channel, which is, uh, is growing well, but it is small still. But I need to find a way to make that sustainable and start making some money from it and selling products on Amazon that relate to the hobby, but also uh, I can, you know, sell two people from the channel makes sense. The problem is that the space that I'm in, I cannot find any products uh, that fit your sort of 10 by 10 idea. So the question here is, should I look at 
moving into a totally different market and just forget it, separate YouTube and Amazon? Or is it worth going after something a little bit more borderline because I'm already doing the YouTube thing? Now, the second thing is uh, the my nine to five job right now. I work for a company in New Zealand who wants to sell their product on Amazon in America in an extremely competitive market. Uh, but we do already have a great product that is well-branded and I think it has a nice point of difference. Um, do you see any way that I can leverage one off the other in terms of, of learning, you know, from my own personal stuff and also from the business? And B, do you have any specific recommendations? Because I know this is different than most of your comment, uh, most of your content in terms of uh, not going after the, the 10 by 10 idea, but instead um, going into a market with a product that's already existing. Uh, thanks heaps, man. I appreciate anything you can give me and keep on keeping on, man. I love your stuff. See ya. Hey, Jesse, thank you so much for the question all the way from New Zealand. Wow. Love it. Love hearing that. I love it that we're connecting all over the globe. So really awesome. And you, you've got some interesting questions here and actually a couple that I'm really excited to dive into. The first one is YouTube, right? You, you're, you're on YouTube right now. You've got a channel. I don't know what it is. I don't know how many subscribers you have. If you have, you know, 500 subscribers, do you have 5,000? Do you have 50,000? That would make it a little bit different as far as the advice that I would give. If you only have like 500 subscribers or a thousand subscribers, uh, and you're like, and I, I don't really see how I'm going to be able to monetize this other than if I was to run like YouTube ads or something like that. Uh, and you can't really find any products, it might be a time to pivot or maybe find a sub market inside that, that market that you're in right now. Uh, I love it that you're on YouTube. I love that you know that side of it. But again, if you already know that, then it might be just picking another niche or market that you're in or that you're interested in and then just going down, going down that path. And because now you're kind of thinking a little bit along the lines of, okay, what products could I, you know, could I offer this market? If you guys are brand new, and again, Jesse, if you haven't listened to this episode either or the one I'm going to recommend, it's the 24-hour challenge. And for you, that might be a great one because you have a head start a little bit as far as like you have the knowledge of YouTube. You, you kind of have done it and you kind of know it. Now, if you go ahead and you look at it differently as far as like where you can, you can check off the boxes through this 24-hour challenge that I do, and I give you guys three action steps in there and I give you a checklist. Um you can kind of start to uncover some things that you might be able to tap into. Uh, if you guys have not done that, you guys listening, that is, uh, definitely go do that. Theamazingseller.com forward slash challenge. And I recently, actually last episode, did an update of the 24-hour challenge of uh, people that have already done it that light bulbs were just going off like crazy. So that might be something you might want to do, Jesse, and anyone else that's listening that might be in this situation. But the other thing is, if you now, now if you came to me and you go, Scott, I got twenty five thousand people on this YouTube channel, and you know they're consuming my my content, and I'm getting you know a few thousand views every time that I post a video. I'd be talking a little bit differently because I think that there's always a way that you could probably find products that would serve that market. The other thing I would do is I would sign up for Amazon Associates uh, account so I could start to offer some affiliate offers. I would start to just throw some product reviews in my channel and see if people click through and if they buy on Amazon and I would get a small commission for that. So I'd be able to start getting some, some income, but I would also be able to test those products before I would even think about, 
uh, maybe tackling them myself or even adding accessories. So that's what I would do there on the YouTube side. I love it though. I think anyone else out there right now that has a YouTube channel, they've been publishing content. You guys are ahead of the curve. I just want to let you guys know that right now. And if you're not there, you probably should go there and start to kind of get comfortable with that platform. You know, get, get comfortable with YouTube. I, I believe YouTube will be another huge part of our brands as we're building these because it's a way for us to deliver content and also get in front of our audience and also set yourself up to be the expert or the authority. If not you, someone else that you would designate for your brand. Um, but I love that. Now, the second part of this question is you're working a nine to five, you're working for a company. They have a great product, but it's very competitive and it doesn't fall into the 10 by 10 by one and the 10 by 10 by one. Again, I'll just give you guys, cause I, I rattle that off. And a lot of people are like, what's that mean? Um, we talk about finding products that can sell 10 sales a day that can do $10 profit per unit with one product. Okay. So for every product, we want to follow that. What you're saying is yours might be a hundred sales per day, right? $10 profit or maybe $5 profit, which would be fine. And that would be one product. The problem is it's very competitive. Okay. So for you to compete right out of the gate, you're going to have to figure out a way to get a hundred sales per day in order to rank, in order to get eyeballs. Okay. Now, the only way that I would see that this would work is if let's say your company that you're working for, they're already getting their own sales through their own sales channel. They're getting uh, emails. They're collecting all of that stuff. They already have somewhat of an audience. The only way that that would work or that I would even attempt to do that is if that company would allow me to direct some of their traffic to Amazon. Okay. And to a lot of businesses that that seems like a really crazy thing to ask. Because most businesses are like, why am I going to take my sales, push them through Amazon when I can just get them on my website? I don't have to pay the fulfillment fee. I don't have to pay, uh, you know, any of the pick and pack. I don't pay any of that stuff. Why would I do that, Scott? Well, you guys all know. And if you don't, you know, now we need to spike sales on Amazon. Amazon is driven by sales. Their algorithm is, is triggered by sales, right? We have to optimize the listing, right? We have to put our keywords in there and we have to, you know, put what our product is about. We need good images, all that stuff. But we need to get recognized by Amazon. The only way that we get recognized is by them to acknowledge that we're getting sales. So we have to drive sales. If you have a company or, you know, that you're going to be doing this for, you need to be able to get them to say, yes, you can do that. You can do whatever you need to do in order to get that going because they're going to understand then, or you would educate them and say, if I can do this and if I can get sales going, and then we prove to the, to the Amazon marketplace that we have a great product because the reviews are going to start coming in automatically and all that stuff. If we can drive sales there, we can start getting organic sales. We can turn that off when we need to, we can turn it off. And we can just then start directing our own traffic back to our own properties. And then that will keep the flywheel kind of going that we've already started on Amazon. If we ever need a boost, because maybe we ran out of inventory or maybe we just need a boost, we can turn that traffic and point it back over to Amazon for a week or two and get those sales coming back in. And then all of a sudden we're starting to get rank again. All right. So that would be my recommendation. That's the only way that that would kind of work. Um, but again, would that help you? get some experience? Absolutely. But is that necessarily the best thing for you right now? Maybe not because that is going to require work. Um, you might want to just start over here and, uh, you know, on your YouTube side of things and start there. But I would start with the 24 hour challenge, find that market that you want to tap into, but you also need to find out that that market before you even go into it is a market that's buying products. 
Like we don't have to necessarily start with the products, but we have to know that there are products that we're going to be able to sell down the line once we do the front end stuff. All right. And that stuff is what I talk about all in that 24 hour challenge. All right. So one last little call to action here, guys, if you have not attended or went through the 24 hour challenge, you don't even have to attend it. You just got to go there and do the work. Um, theamazingseller.com forward slash challenge. All right. That's what I would recommend for all of you. So hopefully this answered your question and I love it. I love both those questions. And I think you have some choices to make here. Um, but again, if you did want to do that for your company that you're currently working for, you know, go for it, you know, but they have to be aware of what it will take, especially if you're going into competitive space. All right. So hopefully this helped you. Let me know how you make out though. Let me know uh, what you end up doing. I'm curious. I'd be curious to see what you do and love to track your progress. All right. So let's go ahead and listen to the last question of today. I'll give you my answer. We'll wrap this baby up and you guys can get on with your weekend. What do you say? Hey, Scott. My name is also Scott. I'm from Florida. I just want to thank you first for all the information you provide. I've been a listener for over a year now and it's been super, super helpful. So thanks again. I have a quick question about return rates. I'm selling a private label product that's similar to a lot of the major sellers in my electronics category. Uh, I know that the product's made in the same factory as them and it's exactly the same quality. I just got an email from Amazon saying that my product was suspended due to a high rate of returns. So I got eight returns in the first 103 orders. So that's a little under 8% returns. I had the option to relist my product. Um, originally, I was selling at the price of $32.99. I'm thinking if I drop the price to $29.99, maybe that'll lower return rates and change buying behavior a little bit. So my questions for you are, have you ever had a product suspended? curious what you did about it and how I can move forward from this. Um, if I relist my product and get suspended again, will this affect my account health? I don't have any negative feedback and no negative reviews on the product. And I know none of the products were defective. Also, since I'm selling a product that's very similar to some of the major sellers in my category, uh, I imagine my return rate is about the same as theirs. Do you know how I how they keep from getting their products suspended? Thanks, Scott. Looking forward to hearing from you. Have a great day. Hey, Scott. Thank you so much for the question. And that's an awesome name, by the way. Scott is an awesome name. I don't hear a lot of kids being named Scott anymore. Is it an old-fashioned name now? I don't know. I named my son Scott, and he's Scotty, as I call him. I never call him Scott. I don't think I've ever called him Scott I don't think I ever have. I'm trying to go back and think if I've ever said, hey, Scott, get over here. It's always been Scotty. Scotty. Hey, Scotty, get over here. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Scotty. Um, anyway, I've been called Scotty all the way through too. my father. Well, my father called me Scott, especially when he was mad. But uh, a lot of my buddies was Scotty. So yeah, anyway, you guys don't care about that. Anyway, Scott, thank you so much for the question. And uh, yes, this is a this is a good one. And here's the deal. Okay. And I've had this happen to me. I've had it happen a uh, bunch of times. I've had it happen in uh, a couple of the other brands that I've started. Um, and then also uh, one that I've partnered with. And then now our most recent one. It's happened in all of them. Okay. Uh, people that I've worked with privately, it's worked. It's happened to them. It's, it's, it happens. Okay. But here's the deal. And Amazon's pretty strict. Like you said, if you had 108 sales, let's just call it 100 to make it easy. And you had eight returns. That's 8%. It's too high for them. Okay. It's too high. Even though if you look at the reasoning why it could have been something that they did wrong. We had one that they were, they were putting something that we were selling in a bubble bag when it should have been in a box and people were getting it. They're like, really? Like 
why isn't this coming? It's coming damaged, you know, like whatever, right? And uh, they were just, they just kept sending it in, in, uh, in a bag. Um, so uh, we had to go round and round with them and they, they still kept doing it. So what we ended up doing to solve that problem is we, we ended up putting ours in a small box itself. So that way they're, they couldn't stuff it in an envelope and they would have to ship it in a box. Uh, it was kind of a long process, but it, we, we got it fixed. Okay. But you know, that doesn't mean that that has to happen every time. The other, I had another uh, issue that happened because we had a defective product. We had uh, poly bags that were, they had insert cards and stuff. And the poly bag material that they were using was more of the crinkly paper. It wasn't more of a plasticky, um, kind of hard to explain. One was more of that shiny material that you almost tears real easy. And then the other one is, is like more like stretchy material. Well, we had this stuff that was the shiny material and, and it had parts in it. So if, it, if the corner got ripped, it would rip and parts would fall out. Well, people were complaining that the, you know, that the, uh, product was missing parts. So we had to recall or basically pull all those in. This is another reason why you want to do an inspection. Uh, because if you caught this on inspection, you wouldn't have sent all that in, learn this the hard way. And I had to pull like three or 400 units, have them pulled back. And then I had someone go through them and repackage them. Um, in better poly bags. So this way here, that didn't happen again. Uh, but what we ended up doing, and this is all you have to do is you have to tell them what you're going to do to fix the problem. Okay. Uh, and then they'll usually reinstate it. And I've had, I've had mine shut down on, let's see, one of the products like three different times. And, uh, and then we just get it reinstated. It's no big deal. You don't have to, you don't have to create a new listing or any of that stuff, but you will have to relist it. And then you'll have to contact sellers, uh, you know, support and all that stuff. And why isn't it happening to your competitors? It could be happening to them. You know, they're, they're just doing the exact same thing that you're doing. Um, but what I would do is I would learn from what's happening and I would try to fix that. I would really, really try to fix that. You know, if someone's getting something and they're, when they get it, they're confused because they thought they were getting round and it's square. You need to make it very clear that they're getting square. And I know sometimes you think that you've been very, very, you know, clear and specific and you're like, how don't people see this? I get it. It's frustrating, but you just have to keep trying. Like in the picture, you want to really call it out, uh, in the bullets, you want to call it out. Like you want to make sure that they know they're getting what they're getting. If that's the problem, another, you know, if, if the problem is, uh, when they get it, the Velcro doesn't stay, you know, it doesn't stay or, you know, it's too long or whatever. You got to fix that problem, right? So you got to listen to what they're saying, because if eight people said it out of a hundred, then obviously there's not just one person that's having that problem. And if it's a, if it's a uh, Amazon problem, then you got to contact Amazon and say, listen, I'm getting these complaints and my listing's getting shut down because you keep insisting on putting it in an envelope and it should be put in a box. How do we make this how do we make this work? How do we fix this problem? So you have to go head to head with those guys and they'll work with you. They'll, they'll work with you, but you know, uh, there's so many different people that are touching the product that you gotta, you know, you gotta kind of see where it is in the chain that it's getting broke. So there's really not like one answer that I can give you other than try to fix the reason why you're getting those returns, right? Like listen to what they are saying very, very closely and fix the problem. Like that's my advice. Like do whatever you can to fix the problem. I don't know your problem, so I can't help you with that, but I can say you can get it reinstated. You won't get banned for life or any of that stuff. As long as you're continuing to try to fix it. All right. Um, and it may be, you might have to pull and that's, again, I talked about not shipping in a thousand units. Imagine shipping in a thousand units, you get them there and you found out that you had bad poly bags because it was used with that other material and they were ripping. And when they were packaging them, they were ripping and people were getting them and parts were falling out in the box. Like now what do you do? 
you got to ship all them back to you, have them repackaged. Okay. And then, you know, kind of hope that it doesn't happen again, but you would have caught that if it was done on an inspection, even on China's side, if you're having this stuff in China or India, wherever you're having it made Mexico doesn't matter. The U S even you, you need that stuff inspected. And if you're not going to inspect it uh, yourself, personally, have it shipped to you then you need someone, a third party that will do that for you. Um, guided imports has a service that they do it. It's uh, 199 bucks. Um, I'll link that up in the show notes. I believe they have a discount there for TASers that go through my link. Um, which yes, I'm an affiliate affiliate for those guys. I'm affiliated with them, uh, but they do a good job with that inspection side of things um, over there at Guided Imports. So anyway, just want to kind of throw that out there, but definitely, definitely have it inspected. So this way you make sure before you ship in a thousand units, uh, you're going to be able to make sure that the product is at least in the shape that it needs to be. And there's no problems there. If it's a, if it's a product problem, then you got another issue and you got to deal with that. Um, so you really are the only one that can answer that question. But if eight people said it, you need to listen to those eight people and figure out how to fix it. And they'll tell you in their report, the eight people that complained, and it'll tell you exactly what they're complaining about, right? You know, came missing, you know, two parts, you know, bag was ripped, missing, you know, missing pieces. You know, when you start to see three or four of those, you you got a problem. Okay. So you you just want to fix it. All right. So hopefully this answered your question or at least gave you some things that you can do and definitely reach out to seller support. They, they will help you with this. Uh, and again, don't worry about it being like suspended for life. It's just, they do this. So this way here, they can catch it. They can have you look at it and let them know how you're going to fix it. And then they reinstate you and you start again. If you have it happen again, same thing. You got to go through that whole process And, uh, but eventually they could say, listen, until you show us (laughs) or prove to us that you're going to fix this problem, we won't let you sell that until you, you prove that to us. So it could get a little bit harder as you continued to get shut down. Um, so just learn from it, learn from it. All right. So that's going to pretty much wrap up this session, guys. Went a little bit longer today. Uh, let me just remind you, if you want to grab the show notes, you can head over to the amazing forward slash 487 as usual show notes, transcripts, all the links. I'll even embed that video that I talked about in the beginning. Start with your why, not your why for, for, you know, your family, why, or your reasoning, why you're starting a business, really the business, as far as why does it exist for your, you know, your brand. And, and to the people that you're serving and, and all of that stuff. Uh, that's really what it's about. Love it. I think everyone should just go watch that. Check it out. It'll give you some things to think about at least. And uh, yeah, if you want to ask a question, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask and you can do that. All right. Just ask me a question. Leave your first name, where you're tuning in from and a brief question. And I'd love to answer here on an upcoming Ask Scott session. Yeah, we're at 150 sessions already. Ask Scott sessions. That's pretty awesome. That's a, that's a milestone. So uh, pretty awesome. So keep them coming. All right. So, all right, guys, that's it. That's going to wrap it up. As always, remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you. But you have to. You have to. Come on. Say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Say it with a little energy today, would you? Come on. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, weekend, whatever it is. I'll see you right back here on the next episode.